0: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020, weekdays, on Vision Christian Radio. Realfaith.org.au
1: I talked to a friend of mine who was also a very good friend of Michael's and I had shared with her that I'm really passionate about Africa and she knew all of that and then she said to me one day, "Do you know what, I've noticed that you don't have a lot of people that you're connected to who also love Africa. I'd love to introduce you to a friend of mine who is very passionate about Africa and, in fact, wants to live there. Could I give him your number? And I agreed, and uh, Michael called me on the phone, and we went out on our blind date.
0: Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life, and real
2: faith with Eric Skadabo. Dr. Michael Findlay always had a heart for Africa and specifically for doing healthcare ministry in Uganda. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to him, a young lady named Kimberly, also from South Australia, also had a heart for Uganda. And so their mutual friend set them up on a blind date. And as they say, the rest is history. They eventually went on to become the founders of Maranatha Health in Uganda. We're going to hear their story today, Michael and Kimberly Findlay. Welcome to the program. Thank you.
3: Thanks for having us.
2: Glad to have you with us. And I should say you're joining us today from Adelaide? Correct. Okay, we want to find out about that life-changing blind date that you both went on. But first, we want to find out a little bit about your backgrounds. Kimberly, we'll start with you. Where were you born and raised?
1: Sure. I was born in Adelaide. Um, in the northeast of Adelaide, I was lucky enough to grow up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, quite a wonderful upbringing. And I remember even as a very young child, I was quite passionate about social justice and interested in things things done the right way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that was something that always interested me. And as I got older, that formed into a, a love of all things multicultural. Mm-hmm. So I worked and volunteered um, with organizations in my late teens, uh, in refugee services in uh-huh. Adelaide, and I was able to have a lot to do with African migrants there and that really formed a love for Africa for mm. me and um, My first experience of Africa was when I went to Kenya for three months. Mm. I decided to take a year off after the first year of uni when I was studying my b a mm-hmm. and went um, to Kenya for three months and had a wonderful time volunteering over there with various organizations and also connecting with some missionaries that we knew in the west of Kenya. And that was a really transformative time for me. And it it was very clearly, um, when I came home, I felt like it was like ripping a bandaid off. I found it very, very difficult to say goodbye to Africa. Mm. And I remember any time there was anything to do with uh, mission or Africa, on the TV or at church, I would end up in tears thinking mm. about my time there and wanting to go back. So that was, Obviously, God was working in my heart at that point, and I had a really strong sense that that was where I would end up.
2: And obviously, your friends realized that this was what was going on in your heart. Is that right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I talked to a friend of mine um, who was also a very good friend of Michael's, and I we were actually doing um, some ministry, youth ministry together. And I had shared with her that I'm really passionate about Africa, and she knew all of that. And then she said to me one day, Do you know what... I- I've noticed that um, you don't have a lot of people that you're connected to who also love Africa. I'd love to introduce you to a friend of mine who um, is very passionate about Africa and in fact wants to live there one day. Um, Could I give him your number? And I agreed and shortly afterwards we ended up catching up. Uh, Michael called me on the phone and asked if I wanted to um, catch up for coffee and we went out on our blind date. Okay, well, um, we're going to to
2: stop you there because we need to hear Michael's side of the story oh, and then sure. we'll continue <laughs> that. So let's <laughs> let's now cross over to Michael sharing his background and everything that led up to the two of you meeting on that life-changing blind date. So Michael, what is your background?
3: Sure. Uh, look, I, I was born in, um, in Essendon in Victoria mm-hmm. and um, as a youngster, my, my father was in medical research, he's not a doctor, but um, a, a, a um, talented scientist and as part of that we Moved to America when I was quite young mm-hmm. and uh, lived there for a few years. Um, I think I, I, I we kind of theorised that through that um, came across people from many different backgrounds and mm-hmm. cultures uh, who were also working at the National Institute of Health alongside of Dad. Um, and um, whether that or other things, but I think it gave me a really um, a real openness to people from other cultures and a real interest in that. But uh, upon returning from to Australia and starting school, um, I just had a really uh, innate love for Africa. And ever, kind of as young as I can remember, I always wanted to be a doctor. Uh, and so um, I guess, uh, fortunately, I was able to get into medical school and, and um, pursue that as a career. Um, but when I was about 12 years old, my, my father, he actually gave me a book called The Hot Zone, which was... Um, a book about uh, predominantly about the Ebola virus and Mm. and people going to outbreaks of the Ebola virus. And this was um, quite a number of years ago when it wasn't quite as well known as what it is today. And I was captivated by this book and and decided that that's where I needed to head. I was going to be a a doctor working in Africa combating the Ebola virus. Um,
2: How old were you at this point?
3: I was 12 years old, so it's a little unusual.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that is Um, a little bit different, yeah.
3: And I, and I must admit that as I've grown older and perhaps to have a healthy appreciation of the significance of Ebola, I'm very happy not to be involved in dealing <laughs> with it too directly.
2: But that your um, dad actually gave you that book at 12 years old, that's amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, as I say, um, I think uh, scientists are a special breed. We, we need them, <laughs> but they, they can be slightly different. Um, so, uh, yeah, and so as I went along through high school, um, my, my parents um, had a very strong faith, and uh, as did my extended family. and. Um, So that that was just the air that I I breathed through that period and I think um, in entering university had my own time of kind of working out what that looked like for me and uh, obviously that's uh, the most significant part of my life. But um, as I started medical school and then um, I had an opportunity to go on a a kind of um, mission trip together with a a group of younger people and um, just fell in love with the place, met some um, some amazing people, people that I still call family to this day mm-hmm. and just developed um, a really strong sense that Uganda was um, where I needed to go and um, as time went on, um, I think kind of in the early 2000s by this stage um, had a sense that it would be um, interesting to look at um, setting up a, my own health facility um, and that's what we did for better or for worse and I think at this time I, I had grand notions of building this enormous kind of facility and, and that's about the time that I was introduced to to Kim, and Kim obviously had a, a background in community development, and looking um, at far more than just simply tertiary level healthcare, but how, to, how do how we impact the whole of people's lives? And uh, so that start to, started to refine and, and provide some nuance to what Maranatha Health might look like, uh, and really the uh, Maranatha Health as it is today started it was truly born at that point. And so I think um, yeah, together we, we've kind of made and shaped something that um, we we feel really proud of and and, um, I guess just really privileged to have been a part of.
2: Okay, well, we're going to back up a little bit to that life-changing blind date. Apparently, we're going to have to have you hand the phone back over to Kimberly to get some of the details of that momentous occasion. Hi. Kimberly, help us out here. What was it like that time you met?
1: Uh, It was um, quite hilarious, actually. We talked shop fairly soon into our conversation. I take it it wasn't like
2: your typical blind date or something. It sounds like you went right into talking about Africa.
1: Uh, No, we absolutely did, and I think it was it was wonderful. Hmm. um, It was quite, I think, an act of God bringing us together because we were quite perfect for each other. And you know, we've had a very hard road through the years of setting this up, and I think the greatest gift that God has given us through all of that is each other. it's made all of the hardness very doable when you have someone by your side who just sits so similarly to you with their heart for, for Africa and for the poor. So, Yeah, so we met um, at a coffee shop and just started talking straight away. It was very comfortable, very easy. And um, very soon into the conversation, Michael introduced the idea of setting up a hospital in Uganda. Wow. And I was actually planning to go to Uganda for six months at that point as part of my university degree um, for my second trip to Uganda. Mm -hmm. And so I was very interested in what he was talking about. And very quickly, though, um, started to, while the conversation was taking place, started to think about how I would do it slightly differently and how I would bring in ideas around community development and... um, empowering women and all sorts of other areas that he hadn't quite looked at yet. And so by the time the conversation was over, we'd been talking about refining the vision and how it could look slightly different. And it was actually really funny because I left and was very pumped up about this new idea of doing something in Africa.
2: I was going to say a lot of people on your first date maybe go bowling or something, but you're changing the world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, we're both idealists at heart. So I think that's what we connected over and um, we love to create So, so
2: in the midst of all this wonderful healthcare in Africa, there was a romance in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, (laughs) we um, had about six or seven weeks to fall in love very, very quickly, and then I was off to Uganda for six months. So, when I left, we were dating and very much in love, but Mm. didn't really have any long-term kind of conversations yet. And then about three months into the time that I was overseas, we were talking every day and mm. quite obsessing over each other and I had very much decided that Uganda was somewhere where I'd be happy to spend a big chunk of my life and had fallen in love with the country and had met some wonderful people in that time and so Michael actually quit his job and came over and joined me in Uganda for the last three months and proposed the, when he rocked up. So In Uganda? Yes, in Uganda. So he took me to a beautiful place that still is very um, close to our hearts hmm. in the southwest of Uganda, and we went out at um, sunrise on a lake in a canoe, and yeah, close to me Okay, there. so
2: there was some romance in all this, yeah. There,
1: w- there was some romance, <laughs> definitely.
2: Our guests today are Michael and Kimberly Finlay, the founders of Maranatha Health in Uganda. It's a not-for-profit organization that aims to improve the health of the poor people of rural Uganda. We'll hear more of Michael and Kimberly's story when we return right here on Rural Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store
0: with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skadabo, and today our guests are Michael and Kimberly Finlay, who are sharing their story. They're the founders of Maranatha Health in Uganda. Before the break, we heard how they met and married. Now we're going to find out how they started their health ministry in Uganda.
3: So I think there were kind of two parallel things happening. So we, um, obviously living here in Australia, I was still finishing up my um, GP qualifications, um, uh, and Kim was um, doing some study as well, um, I think in her master's. that stage Um, and alongside of that, we were now going around pitching this vision to people and uh, as we reflect back on it, I think we find it quite ridiculous to think that um, two uh, people kind of in their mid to late 20s were were going around asking people to financially support a vision that really didn't didn't have any concrete evidence, but um, people did, they gave some money and in in 2008, we managed to purchase a piece of land in Uganda, Mm -hmm. uh, which would become our first hospital site. And so in between kind of um, studies and raising this money, we, we would travel back and forth to Uganda uh, to keep meeting with people, meeting with um, government officials and local officials and um, friends and people on the ground and, and keep kind of brainstorming and refining what this would all look like. And uh, I think around February or March 2011, we, um, we shifted ourselves over to Uganda with a shipping container full of our stuff and stuff for the clinic. And, um, and off we went to, to try and construct a facility and Mm -hmm. then set something up from scratch, basically.
2: And I just remembered something that you did something unusual at your wedding. A lot of people ask for like wedding gifts as far as things for the home, but you did something different.
3: Yeah, well, I I think we part of um, the passion that Kim and I have is that we both feel like we've been given so much. We we grew up in homes where we didn't struggle so much. We we didn't want for that much. Um, We were given great opportunities and, and particularly a fantastic education and we thought that uh, as part of our wedding it, w- it would be really nice to use that as an opportunity to um, continue to kind of build up what we needed to, to set up in Uganda. So we asked people in, instead of um, presents to give to make a donation towards Maranatha Health and I think uh, at the end of our wedding day we had something like $15,000 of donations. Oh, wow. So in- Incredibly generous from our, our friends and family and again it was um you know just added to the nest egg and and a really great contribution to
2: So you um, didn't Lewis get that before. uh plate set and everything that normally is given That's at uh, weddings and all that but you have something of spiritual and eternal significance.
3: Yeah no plate sets but to be honest <laughs> I think we calculated in our first 10 years of marriage we moved eight times and you know, 10 times including moving back and forth between countries about half a dozen times, so I think a plate set might have just gotten the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, turning to more serious matters, there was one incident, uh, one experience you had that really tugged your heart while you were there. Please share with us about that.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, we, we initially set up in a place called Kambwengi District, which um, I think by all measures underperformed in terms of Ekanda, and that that's part of the reason that we decided to move there. Um so in 2011 we started the construction, and by the beginning of 2012 um, we had enough done that we could open the health centre, mm-hmm. uh, which we did, and we started hiring staff, um, which was a brand new experience to us. And um, we had a, a fabulous mentor, our kind of father figure in Uganda, that helped us through that. And he um, really devastatingly um, passed away from um, bowel cancer a few years mm-hmm. ago, and that's been a, a huge loss that we still feel. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he guided us through that process, and, and we got up and running, and. Had this little fledgling clinic and, and um, opened up a ward and started admitting patients to the ward and uh, we, we were seeing some really unwell people and i was still very junior in my own career at that stage and a lot of our staff were very young and so we were we were working and training and kind of learning together at the same time and i remember maybe two or three months after we opened we, we had a young girl come in um with malaria which is, is very common in mm. um, in uganda And Mm -hmm. um, equally common is is for people to come in um, when they're very, very sick because they've they've tried other means that are easier for them to access or closer to home or cheaper before they um, come to a health facility where um, the perception is that it might cost them a lot of money. And so this little girl was brought in by her mother and her younger sister and um, really devastatingly, I think within an hour of arriving at the facility, she died Mm -hmm. uh, because she was just so sick by the time she came. Mm -hmm. And I think the... That happened quite a lot in the first year. We saw a lot of really sick kids, and and as time went on, we got um, we had better equipment and, and more staff and better skills, and were able to um, to help these kids. Sometimes even when it looked like we wouldn't be able to. But um, my enduring memory, and I think what motivated mo- motivated us then, and still is a motivation to us now, was um, I remember her younger sister bursting out of the front doors of the facility to the little car park we had in front, and just throwing herself on the ground of the car park and banging her fists on the ground and just sobbing and sobbing. And um, mm-hmm. I think some of our staff, including myself, did a little bit of that at the time too. And um, it just seemed so unfair that um, a, a very treatable um, infection had, had, had robbed this girl of her sister and, and a family of a daughter. And um, I think we, we found that so motivating that um, that we, you know, we wanted to see that happen as little as possible. And um, if we could do that both through care but also through community health education and other things as well um, that we we wanted to make a real practical change for for people.
2: Mm. So obviously that experience had a huge impact on you and your staff and now we're going to turn back to Kimberly to talk about a challenge that you faced at that first location where you had that it didn't work out okay. Is that right, Kimberly?
1: Absolutely. We, We had a really big challenge at our first location. We were doing fantastic work and I think had built an incredible culture within our staff and we're really passionate about um, offering the kind of health care that we were. And then along came a very big businessman in Uganda who purchased a piece of land directly next to Maranatha Health and our facility and our staff housing and our house as well. And he built a huge maize factory, um, a maize processing plant on that land. And it all happened very quickly, but there was really nothing we could do. And we watched the factory slowly go up and up and up and talked a lot um, with local politicians at the time and eventually um we had to shut down the facility because the they turned the factory on and i remember um So why why did day, you have to
2: shut down? Why did you have to move?
1: Sure so we actually The factory was actually extremely loud. So it was funny because the day we turned the factory on, three things happened. The first thing is that the factory got turned on that morning. The Mm -hmm. second thing was that we were celebrating our one-year anniversary of opening and had a big party at Maranatha with all the staff that night to celebrate our success for the year. And the third thing was it was the day that Michael and I found out we were pregnant with our first son. Oh, wow. Um, so it was a lot happening yeah. in one time. Yeah. But I think, to be honest, when they turned on the machines, it was so loud that we could barely um, hear each other over oh, the noise, even from within yeah. the hospital. Yeah. And there was a fine spraying of maize dust throughout the entire facility okay. and on our land. So a health facility
2: um, was not compatible with that as your neighbor? It was
1: completely untenable. Yeah. Um, and so we we shut down the facility and advocated for six months to make the factory shift and we ended up taking um, our advocacy to the highest levels of government and had lots of meetings with um, significant government ministers. But unfortunately this man had a lot of power um, mm. and so we had to close down our facility, um, which was devastating for yeah. us because, yeah, of course. you know, the, I think this has been our dream for so long and we exactly. built this incredible staff team mm-hmm. in our facility and, you know, we still passionately held to the belief that children deserve access to high-quality health care, even in the poorest of areas of the world. And um, it really was one of the biggest griefs of our life, mm. I guess, at the time. Yeah. So we, when I was 30 weeks pregnant, we had to make a decision. So we packed up our house in Uganda um, and moved back to Australia, really not knowing what we would do. And I think, you know, the gift of our son at that time was an amazing I guess, salve for the wounds that we had um, endured through that experience, uh, even though it was so hard to say goodbye to Uganda at that point. Yeah, Um, that must have been
2: devastating because you thought, hey, this is what the Lord was leading us to. This is what it was all about, your relationship absolutely and uh, the donations and everything, and then uh, have to leave. Yeah, it must have been kind of heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, it was, and I think we had lots of people praying for us at the time, and it was you know we explored a lot about in our faith at that point about what God was actually calling us to and what we what he was trying to do in all mm. of this and our our strong belief to this day is that God is always on the side of the poor mm. um, mm-hmm. and that he was trying to do things, but so much of the time there mm-hmm. is evil in this world, and people make really horrible decisions that disenfranchise others in the world and so um yeah we we came home, and I think he was just as saddened by what had happened in Kamwangi as we were. Mm-hmm. And so we looked to God, and we asked him and did lots of praying through the next year to figure out what whether there was anything left for us in Uganda and whether we should go back. And then just after our son turned one, we packed up our things in Australia again and decided that we would, we would return to Uganda and that we certainly weren't finished yet. Um, and this time... We felt like we had a really different focus. We'd, mm-hmm. We chose to um, be located in a regional centre where we would be able to um, focus on actually supporting some of the other clinics and investing more widely in the health system mm-hmm. where we are. We um, moved back to Uganda mm-hmm. and within, it was incredible, we, we moved back there and within one month we'd talked to most of our staff and all of them actually, I think there was about 80% of them that wanted to come back to work for us and many wow. of them were spread out all across the country
3: yeah. and it was
1: quite incredible to see um, all of them coming home and we'd all had you know, different experience since that time 18 months ago and so this was in 2015 mm-hmm. and we set up again but this time the clinic I think because we'd done this all before and had learnt so much from the past we set it up very well and um, applied all those lessons that we'd learnt with staff that we'd already developed this incredible culture with and so within three months, we had 800 patients at our facility, wow. um, which was incredible. So we, we were seeing 800, 900, 1,000 patients a month um, already after only three months of opening, which meant we actually grew very fast.
2: Wow, incredible. Well, unfortunately, yeah. we're quickly running out of time, but let's kind of wrap up our conversation today with what are you passionate about today, moving forward about uh, all these experiences that you've had in sure. Uganda?
1: I think for me, there was one woman that came to our facility maybe two years ago, and I think for me it encapsulated what we're passionate about Mm -hmm. um, in our work. And the lady came from Kamwengi District, the area 60 kilometers away where we had originally built the first clinic. Mm -hmm. And she had bounced from clinic to clinic and had not found any doctors at the various clinics she'd gone to along the way, and um, she was looking for some treatment for her child that had malaria, her little Mm -hmm. two-year-old, and she went everywhere looking (laughs) around the district and eventually landed at the government referral hospital in our district, um, which has a catchment area of around one million people, and she didn't know what to do, she didn't have the money for the treatment that she needed, The, the doctor wasn't coming to see her child, and she felt completely despondent, as if she was she might just give up. And then just as she was thinking, my goodness, what, what do I do next? There was a lady next to her in the bed who said, actually, have you tried Maranatha? That's the place to go when you have no place left. Those guys will look after you. Go there. Wow. And she came to Maranatha with her um, child who was very, very, very sick. And we, you know, when she got to the facility, our staff rushed out to greet her and looked after her, explained to her what was happening with her child. They took her to the our very African version of an ICU, mm. um, took some blood tests, gave the child a blood transfusion and really just looked after um, her and her family very, mm. very well. And within a few days, this little boy that was very sick was running around the ward happily playing. And at the end of that time, there was another mother who brought her child in who was also very sick. And the other mother was sitting there crying wondering what would happen to a child and this other lady from Kamwingi said to her it's okay, you're at Maranatha now, you can rest, these people they would love wow. you, they will take care of you
2: and of course they know that you're Christian so it's a fantastic Absolutely. witness
1: it, it is a wonderful witness and it's wonderful to see people almost laughing when they get the bill thinking that it's going to be very expensive and then asking us why we would provide such a cheap facility when it's so wonderfully like the care is so high quality and mm. always we let them know this is This is what God has
2: asked of us. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kimberly and Dr. Michael Findlay, for sharing your remarkable story with us.
3: Pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us on your show.
2: Our guests today have been Kimberly and Dr. Michael Findlay. They are the founders of Maranatha Health in Uganda. To find out more information, their website is maranathahealth.org. That's maranathahealth.org.